Hey, Ringers, welcome back for season seven of the Put a Ring on It podcast. This is episode 73, and I'm so excited. But before we get into today's episode, I wanted to give you all a reminder that this is just me here giving you the intro because my wonderful and fantastic co-host, Dan Moyer, is currently out on paternity leave. Um... Earlier this year, he had, um, he and his wife rather, had two beautiful twin babies. Um, So as you can imagine, he has his hands full. So for the first few episodes of season seven, I am going to be taking the reins solo, bringing on some fantastic guests for you guys. Um, And I'm really so excited about it. Uh, If all goes according to plan, Dan should be back on the podcast joining me. uh, We're thinking in February. So for now, it's just me. But again, we've got some great uh, co-hosts joining me as guests, uh, including Today's guest, which is, her name is Amber Anderson, and I am so excited for this episode because we got into some really good information, um, just good for the soul stuff. Um, Basically, we're talking about what it means to plan for a marriage more beautiful than the wedding. And obviously, we all want to have beautiful weddings, right? Um, But I don't know anybody who doesn't want to also have a beautiful and lasting and loving and caring and wonderful marriage as well. So if you're in a spot where maybe you and your partner are going through some harder times in relationship, or if you just want to be proactive um, and kind of get ahead of it a little bit, this is such a good episode to listen to. Now, before we jump into today's episode, I do want to give a shout out to our Patreon supporters. Um, We have grown quite a bit over the um, break between our two seasons, and that just completely blows me away. We've been getting a lot of emails and a lot of messages, and I am just over the moon about the little community that we are building um, of you awesome, awesome ringers. So hopefully you guys um, still enjoy this podcast, even without Dan for the interim. Uh, Trust me when I say I miss him so much, but uh, enjoy this one for now. And I'm so excited for you guys to meet Amber. Let's do this. Hey ringers, I'm Danielle. And I'm Dan. This is the Put A Ring On It podcast. We are two wedding pros sharing everything we can about planning a wedding. You ready? Let's do this. Hey, Ringers, Danielle here. I am so excited because we have a lovely guest on today's episode, um, and we are going to be talking about something that is so near and dear to both of our hearts. So we have Amber Anderson here today, who is a wedding planner of Heavenly Day events based out of the beautiful Austin, Texas area. Amber, how long have you been a wedding planner? Eight years this month. Congratulations. That's a huge milestone for sure. Yeah. And I'm going to share as usual, um, we're going to talk about all the ways you can connect with Amber at the end of this episode. And of course, you can always find this stuff on the show notes. But Amber, how would you kind of describe your, um, the couples that you like working with and kind of the style of weddings you're typically working on with those couples? Yeah, of course. So our ideal client is a person that is um, really focused on the priority of, of the of the wedding, so that being marriage. Uh, we really um, attract a lot of teachers and nurses and doctors and lawyers. Like our teachers are marrying our lawyers and our nurses are marrying our doctors. And um, so it's kind of this... Scandalous. Uh, <laughs> well... <laughs> um, but it's kind of this... We have more traditional uh, couples 
we um, really attract low-key, uh, just really relaxed couples that are, they're really busy in their careers, but life-wise, they're just needing some help professionally. And so they kind of, they trust us, they're decisive, they're um, really kind and caring. And um, yeah, the the marriage is kind of what they're focused on and they want to get it done in a, you know, right and well and pretty way. But uh, we, we headspace and, and all of that is something that we, we work on and with together. So yeah. Yeah. That's one of the things um, I like so much about your process and how you go through things because it's it's not just about the pretty wedding. It's really about kind of the process as they go through their engagement and then what happens even after the wedding. And that's a lot of what we're going to be talking about in today's episode. But um, just to give you guys some background, I actually met Amber through a group called Refine for Wedding Planners. Um, and since I know um, I have got my ear to the ground and I know we have some present and aspiring wedding planners out there who are listening into the show. Um, Amber, how would you kind of describe the Refine group? Oh, gosh, just a huge community of support. You know, we're there to help each other. We're there to educate each other. We're there to um, create some level of um, standardization in our industry. And that's that's tricky. And that's a whole episode in and of itself and one more for planners than it is for the couples listening. But um, as far as the couples listening, that, that is a confusing thing for couples. You know, when one planner does this and another planner does that and we're all, who do, what is the standard? And so there's not, you know, we don't have a, a standardized regulation board or whatever and insert all the reasons why and that's okay but um yeah refine allows for conversations that help streamline things and um train people up and we've got anywhere from newbies to people have been doing this for 20 plus years so um we really do try to encourage and help each other yeah, it's, it's a great support system. It's one of those places that as a planner, when you're stumped, you can kind of bounce in there and just be like, hey, this is my situation. How would y'all navigate this? And it's great because it, I think it also shows you like, um, you know, what people are contributing, that things that some people say that are going to feel like, oh, that sounds good. And other people is like, oh, that's not a fit for me. But it helps you kind of narrow down and see um, a little bit better with where what your path needs to be. Um mm-hmm. I just think it's it's a great resource, hands down. Yeah, sure. the idea is that, um, and this is good for couples to know, is that we have these resources so that we can better ourselves for yes. you as a couple. And so when we're presented with a question or a challenge that maybe we haven't faced before, because it, I mean, I've been doing this for eight years and before that I was a corporate event planner and I still come across things that I, and this year alone, I could name a handful of things. I'm like, what? I've never seen this. Uh, so bouncing that off of each other allows us to serve our couples better because we have we have more brain power behind it. Exactly, 100%. And our role um, as wedding planners, like you said, there's not really much standardization across our industry where when couples are searching for photographers or they're searching for florists or they're searching for bakers, it's kind of understood exactly what that role entails. I mean, there's some fluctuation between how everybody does what, but with planners, there is really no set, this is how the process works. So for everybody to kind of come together, um, I've been doing this 10 years now and there's a system and processes I have in place and it's still I go to that group to be like I don't know if 
this is the best way I could be doing this and what are other people doing and how can I improve and do all that? So mm-hmm. I love that. Um, I actually um, had the wonderful honor and pleasure of being a guest speaker at two of the previous workshops that Amber has put together for Refine, um, which guys was so incredible and so helpful. Um, they're these smaller, more intimate groups where we can just get together and talk. So um, what do you have? You have coming up on the docket, the next Refine workshop is going to be actually a little bit different. Um, but when is that next refine workshop? It's in February, February 9th through 12th here in Austin, and there'll be a retreat. So we're going to basically summer party together and that's, there's more professionalism involved, I promise. But, uh, in that capacity, we'll be able to get a lot deeper and just, uh, really grow in a much faster rate. Yeah. So if you are a person who is like interested in, um, in the world of wedding planning as a professional aspect, I highly recommend um, looking into that group. Right now, I think last I checked is over 3,000 members, which is awesome. Um, But there is constant active conversation going on. It is a great place to kind of um, start and get your feet wet and kind of go from there. So anyway, let's talk about, let's talk about our amazing couples. So I want to start with, um, Simbus. So in addition to all these things that Amber's doing, she's also a certified facilitator of Simbus. And honestly, Amber, before meeting you, I didn't, I've never heard of this program. So can you give us a general idea of what it is? You know, for everybody listening, of course. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) For, uh, Simbus to break that down, uh, stands for saving your marriage before it starts. Oh, I didn't know that. Saving your marriage before it starts. S Y M B I S. Very cool. Yeah, no, it's a it's a true acronym. So saving your marriage before it starts, and it's essentially a pre marriage uh, program, uh, counseling program. So it can be done with uh, a marriage assessment. There's a form that's based on lots of counselor input, psychiatrist input, um, spiritual leader input, um, just like different, you know, sexual therapist input. So you've got all these different worlds coming in and creating this assessment that allows for pretty solid feedback on the state and health of a relationship. And more importantly, the trajectory of the relationship and what, um, you know, how, how you compliment or how maybe, um, you don't compliment each other and, and what to do about that. And so it's not necessarily a roadmap to complete success so much as it provides talking points. And um, so we start with the assessment and then there are different options. We can do an overview of just walking someone through the assessment so they understand it, or we can go into full on like several weeks, multi- eight to 10 weeks, once a week meetings to really dive into the, the results and the things that we're, we're seeing about these couples. So that's something that we offer to our clients through Heavenly Day. Uh, we offer the, we offer the base, every couple, um, and it's optional. I don't push this on my couples if they don't want it. That's, you know, I, I would never impose that on someone, <laughs> but, um, because our brand is so focused on ma- marriage being more important than the party, we, we offer it and, uh, we don't have all of our couples take the assessment. They don't, they don't all choose to do that, but the ones that do have loved it. And then, uh, statistically, most of them decide to tack on a good four or five hour day session with me where we just dive really deep into it. And it's really cool to see. So I've really enjoyed that aspect of, of what I do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's, it's one of those things where guys, you know, we say it all the time, planning a wedding is hard work, right? Mm-hmm. But the 
the chapter of life where you're engaged in planning a wedding is temporary. What you have past that is ideally much more long-term and permanent. So as hard as, um, as this big project management situation that you're in now is tricky, we want to make sure that we're also setting you up for as much success after the wedding, because this is just a temporary chapter of life. And, um, yeah, for those couples that are planning um, Catholic weddings, I hear this a lot with my couples that are doing the um, you know traditional Catholic church wedding where they have to go through pre-cana or cana, pre-cana, pre-cana, whatever it is, um, that they kind of grunt and groan that like, oh, we have to do this thing. But afterwards, they really feel great about it because communication happened and conversations happened that kind of opened their eyes and 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 in most cases brought them closer together in a really really great way um so i love that about this program and i love that you do it i think it's such an incredible thing um yeah so what we're really chatting about is the idea that we want to plan a marriage that's more beautiful than the wedding day right healthy engagements Yeah. And obviously, guys, we say this all the time. You can get married with, you know, there's very few requirements. What we say all the time, you need a you need a marriage license, someone to marry you, someone to marry and maybe cute outfit. Everything else about that wedding day is a luxury. And you get to decide what um, beautiful means to you and what intentional means to you and all the things. Um, So while we talk a lot about the actual planning on this podcast, um, I really thought that Amber and this topic was a really super, super important thing to talk about because I think it's safe to say that we all do want to have a marriage more beautiful than the wedding day. I mean, I, that's just, if you really, you know, dig down and, and pull away all of the um, the floral meetings and the, the cake tastings and all that, like that's the ultimate goal, right? We just want to really have a successful partnership um, and relationship with that person that we're with. So why would you say um, that this is Um, or why do you believe that this is a healthy mindset for couples to have? Well, no one wants to hear this, but truth be told, it only gets harder. So we're in, you know, engagement and it's probably beyond, you know, leaving home for the first time and figuring out how to live by yourself. And, um, that's hard. And then you've got school and maybe grad school and there are some big stressors in life, right? You maybe someone's had a health issue or like, don't get me wrong. There, there, there are other factors that can be hard, but, um, by and large being engaged is one of life's first, like really big, like hard years where, you know, you're moving, maybe you're finishing grad school, you're combining lives. You're talking about things you've never talked about before. Like, do you combine finances? Do you not? Do you like, like, these are big, like, they'll cause divorces 20 years into it type conversations. So, and you're having them up front when you're dating someone and it's just, it's big. And so you might be remodeling a house, you might, uh, all kinds of stuff, training a puppy. And, um, I mean, how many couples get puppies and like, that's, Ugh. you're up all night with that. I mean, that, that, those are real stressors, right? And then you're planning a wedding and you're spending who knows how much money on it. And it's just like, Oh, so it doesn't feel like anything could ever be harder, but unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately, life it it, it gets infinitely harder at times. So, for me, the idea that having a healthy mindset going into it, um, I, I just really believe having a healthy mindset going into it is critical for the success of entering other hard stages because um, they don't have to be 
they don't have to be or feel as hard as maybe they could for some couples if you can walk into them with a healthy mindset and with some preparation for that. Because otherwise they just blindside you and you don't know what to do and it spirals out of control and it's just ah, chaos. But if you have a little bit of Um, if you've done a little bit of legwork going into it, then you have a foundation and you have the ability to navigate and lean in and, um, and and manage versus just like getting plowed over. So in a sense that does alleviate some of the stress or feelings of it being so hard. It doesn't mean that it's not hard. It's just, now you have some tools to work with. So that's why this is really important to me. And you touched on, you know, the conversations that it allows us to have, but, um, to add to that, I think what couples sometimes don't understand about these programs when they're choosing not to do them is that there are questions that are asked that you may not have thought to ask each other. And they're just, um, and they're, they're done in a way that's not like warfare. So like if I have an issue in a dating relationship and I want to bring it up to do so can create tension and it can create this level of like, Oh, are you doubting me? Or like, you know, it just creates this, you know, but really and truly, it's just, even if it's not an issue, it's just a question you have. It's, it's healthy to ask those questions before you sign the dotted line. And so for me to be able to come in and ask them of both of you at the same time, then there's no tension. There's no, there's no underlying motive. There's just a, like, I'm asking you a question and you answer it or not, you're being asked. And so, um, it removes the like potential for feeling attacked or, worried that there's an, an ulterior motive. So it's a really great point. Yeah. So that, that just really, by removing that tension, you go in with a stronger relationship and, uh, it allows for that, you know, the first year of marriage for some people is amazing. And then for others, it's just full of hiccups. And so if you have that foundation, you can navigate those hiccups and, and smooth them out a little bit. Right. We've talked about, we actually did an entire episode forever ago. I think it was called the post-wedding blues about that. It is so so common for couples to kind of go through this weird transitional period after the wedding and after the honeymoon and kind of after all the exciting activities have ended and wrapped up that there is this weird lull where they're kind of sitting there on the couch looking at each other like, well, now what? Because if you're not having or not ready to go into the chapter of, of having children, then it's you've 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 scheduled so much of life that revolved around this project and now you don't have the project anymore. Um I will link to um the post wedding blues episode in the in the podcast. If, if you're a new um or in the show notes rather, if you're a newer listener, um it's a great episode to go back and listen to, especially in conjunction with this episode, because it just it really helps prepare you in a way that like the fun of planning a wedding is so amazing, but we also want to make sure that we're giving like our future selves a little bit of, 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 um, love and attention that like, Hey, this mm-hmm. is kind of coming up on the docket and uh, we should kind of be ready for this and be aware that it might happen. Yeah. Well, and too, not just post wedding, but like the wedding day itself. So when we have, <laughs> when we have healthy mindsets, we're less likely to be disappointed because it's not if, but when something's going to go wrong, like something goes wrong at, 99.9% of my weddings and the client, the client may or may not ever know about any of that. That's the goal. But, um, and we do, we do filter a lot of that for them, but some things I don't even know about. Like I, I recently found out about, um, about something that <laughs> had happened at a wedding. I had no idea it happened. It was just between friends and whatever, but you know, someone might step on the dress and rip it. Someone may sport pour, like spill red wine on it. Some, you know, um, we recently had a toast where the 
father of the groom used the wrong, like, used the wrong name when referencing the bride in the speech. So I hope it wasn't an ex-girlfriend. I don't know. But I mean, yeah, and it creates disappointment. And so if you can come into it with this healthy mindset of, you know, it's not if, but when something's going to happen, it's okay to grieve when that happens because it sucks. Someone poured red wine on your dress, your dress, but go dance and have fun and grieve, have the feelings they are real, they're valid. And we, we want you to lean in on us for that because we're, we're here for you in that regard. But at the same time, we're, we're, we're here to help you move through it so that you can enjoy your day. So yeah, I've, I've seen some terrible things happen on wedding days and people still have the best day ever. Yep. I had a wedding a few um, weeks ago now with the most lovely couple ever. They were planning a backyard wedding. So just by nature, there was a lot of stress involved. And I was so happy to be part of the team because they were able to just kind of dump a lot of the task onto me, which is exactly what I was there for. And we were getting ready to do their first look photo. So the bride was beautifully dressed. um, The groom was waiting um, on standby. And we were running, as sometimes things do, a few minutes behind. So we were getting to the point where like, all right, we want to get things rolling and get this ride out to see her future husband and as this was happening the makeup artist was just doing some final touches on the bride's gorgeous face and the bride's sister um leaned over over the back of the dress and went to I think she was whispering something or doing something and she was holding a beer in her hand and when she leaned over that beer spilled out over the entire back of this bride's dress and we were like seconds away from getting her out to do all of the photos like nothing has really happened yet of the day <laughs> the bride and I, I, I didn't even know what was going on at first all you hear was like splashing of water on the dress and I was like what was happening and it was just like a moment where we looked at each other the um the bride sister and I and we were like okay we're gonna fix this real quick and the bride looked back and was like oh that stinks and just turned back around and I was like we got you and she was like I know <laughs> it makes a huge difference it could have ruined her day it could have ruined her day she could have very understandably had a moment where she was like really mad at her sister had like broke down and and handled it however way she's absolutely entitled to but she was just like cool as a breeze and her not saying that you have to stay cool in the situation but her staying cool allowed me and the sister and everybody else around to just take care of it um we immediately went into like fix it mode you um you know we got it all taken care of we got her steamed we were definitely a few minutes behind at that point but it was no big deal we had planned buffer time into the day it didn't affect anything um we let the groom know like hey we're just taking care of a few things so that he wasn't worried and we just took care of it you did not see a single thing on this dress by the time we were done we took about five minutes to just make sure it was like back dried in good order we had it all good to go um but her staying calm in that situation allowed everybody around us to just take care of the situation without feeling like major guilt right because if i'm that sister i'm going oh my god what did i just do um and because that didn't happen the day like it was never brought up again the entire day as far as i know it was just Taken care of, done, we good, great. And then it was on to the next thing. That bride handled herself with so much grace. Um, I went out and told my assistants if I would not have handled myself that well ever in that situation. She was just a gem and it was amazing. Yeah. Well, and you know, she there may have been something else that triggered her that would have totally set her off. And so, and and, and for you, you might have stayed calm in a situation that I would have lost my mind in and or or she would have. And so we um we're all we're all human and we all have our triggers and you know I'm glad that you kind of brought that full circle to how um, 
that response though can can affect how the sister feels and how the family feels and it just changes the whole vibe of the day and it changes the vendor's ability to do their job and so i'm not saying and i don't think you are either um just re- just reiterating and emphasizing what i said earlier is like you're going to have those feelings as a as a as you know someone getting married and this is a huge day you've invested a lot of money in it and you've you've invested you know, time and being in someone else's wedding party and giving them their attention. And it's your turn. It really is. And so when these things happen, it is, it is disappointing. And that is so real. Um, and so we just, I, I just, all I'm trying to say, and I hope that you hear is like, it's okay to feel those things and it's okay to react and be mad and, and then, but then like rein it in, bring it together and like, okay guys, let's move forward because that's really the only, like, you are in control of your own day. Like you get to make or break your day. The choices you make in the planning process and on the day itself are what allow you to enjoy it. So I, I see, um, I see clients, I see couples, um, get in their own way all the time. And I'm like, Oh, they're going to, I've, I've told a couple of this, this last year. I told the bride, actually, I told her, I was like, I think you're, I've never told a couple, a client this, but I just saw it and I was like, oh, I think I can help her. And I said, you're getting in your own way and I'm really afraid you're not going to enjoy your wedding day. And here's why. And here's what I've experienced. Like, this is why I, like, I've seen these things and here's what happened. Take it or leave it. And she really responded well to it. And I saw her pivot and she loved her day. And I just, I'm so glad I had that conversation with her because I just saw her digging your own grave in it. And, and, and we're here to protect you on that. We don't want that to happen. But, but also we're in tricky positions, right, Danielle? Like to have that conversation was like a crapshoot. Like that could have gone so south. And really my heart was good on that. I was trying to save it. But maybe you were the person, that one person in her, in her circle at that moment that could say it. Cause maybe a family member didn't, know how to say that in a way that wouldn't have some maybe mm-hmm. long-term effects, right? That would be yeah. like... Yeah, I'm a temporary <sighs> person in the life, you know? Exactly. And, as much yeah. as that is awful sometimes where we work with some yeah. amazing couples and we still get to like follow along with their life journey on Instagram or Facebook or whatever, but it's I do true. love that. Yeah, it's, it's hard. So, all right. So as a planner, I think um, we all kind of see different things, but what are some common things that you have found that will really like derail a couple um, as they're going through the planning process? Um, yeah, that's a good question. Cause that, that makes this applicable or just like you can, people listening might be able to relate to really what we're talking about. I, I feel like, um, in-law conversations, uh, conversations with in-laws can do that. And that's not, that's just something that's going to always be part of life, um, good or bad. Um, so in-laws having too many voices. So when you're deciding on something and you're asking all these people different things, um, so either you create the added voices or (laughs) someone's like, what are you, you know, asking you a simple, innocent question and you answer it. And all of a sudden they've got an opinion. Like everyone listening has experienced that. Right. So, um, having too many voices, uh, the idea, like pro- processing this in general, I mean, this is a huge lifetime commitment. Oh. I mean, this is a big commitment. So, uh, you know, processing the commitment, processing the transition, all of that can kind of derail it because it's a little bit surreal. It's a little bit, um, like there's no one to talk to. I remember when I, when I was going through that, I was like, Oh, I kind of, I feel like I should talk to somebody. And I didn't know who to talk to. Cause if I tell my best friend, does she think I'm seeking an intervention and if I tell my fiance does he think I'm doubting him like there's no one to I felt alone in that and so that can kind of derail it because it's just it's a head game um 
keeping up with the Joneses, oh my gosh, Instagram, Pinterest, all of that, it's a nightmare. And so I got married before Instagram and Pinterest to really date myself. And so I didn't have that. And I, I just mm, bless all of you for navigating that in your in today in today's world. That's so hard. Yeah, it's a, it's a good tool, right? We can use this tool mm-hmm. for good, but it can easily, if you're not careful, become a very destructive thing in our life. Yeah. It's a distraction. Um, it it can cause people to spend more money than they need to. It can also help people save money with ideas. So it's, it's a there's a it's more of a pro than a con. I think it's just there's some mindset shifts that need to happen. Um, so yeah, keeping up with the Joneses, social media. Uh, another another two things I'll mention are um, so balance like work life engagement uh social like all, all balancing all of those things in this time like I said earlier it's a it's a new season and it's a new season of, it's like a new kind of busy that you may or may not have ever experienced before so like just figuring that out can can kind of derail it um because it's frustrating and it's exhausting and then last i'll say is um i think general changes in friendships occur during this stage because some people have already gotten married and maybe they're starting a family some people are getting married and they don't want to have a family. And so they in some ways can still remain like a little bit of a single life. And so that's confusing. Like there's there's just a confusion. And then some people are, are, are engaged, but they're behind you. Now you're competing on who's going to get the date first. And then you've got friends that are single and like, I'm going to always be single or, or don't care if they're single or everyone's in this, it's a transition. So, um, that can really derail it because you're just trying to live in your own lane and be seen and heard for who you are with the capacities that you have. And you've got all these pressures from everyone kind of in the same life stage, but not really. So like, where do you fit? Right. And so like, I remember we moved to Austin when we were dating. So we got, we were dating, engaged, married, and had our first child within three years, four years, four years. And I remember like, where do I where do I plug in? Like, am I plugging in with the singles on the soccer field or am I plugging in with like the new moms? I don't, it all happened so fast. And so, um, that, that can really get in the way and cause a distraction. And so, um, and, and create loneliness and tension between couples even because right. couples view it differently, even together. Yes, exactly. Even, um, even like you said, between the couple itself in the things that you might be picking up on or noticing the other person might be completely oblivious to or have their own set of concerns and thoughts that they're having. So yeah. this is where um, coming together and communicating on that because what you may be feeling isn't necessarily what the other person's feeling. So it's, it's, it's a huge thing. I know, um, Mike and I, our relationship started out as a long distance relationship. We lived two hours apart um, when we got together and it meant that when we would um, spend time together, it would be extended weekends or like extended days together where neither of us had any responsibilities. So when we made the decision to move in together, um, I had to have like this really hard conversation with myself that was like, hey, we've only ever been as a couple very 24-7 together. Um, we never really dated in the traditional sense where we would just kind of like have an evening together. So what I had to tell myself was, Danielle, when we move in together, 
you're going to have to work. Like he's going to go to work. You're going to work. Like you're going to be together sometimes, not together other times. Like you have to make sure that you're not looking at it as, well, why isn't he here all the time? Because that's what I was used to. Um, But just having that conversation with myself beforehand, I think made a huge shift for me that I never had those feelings. Um, But if I did, yeah, but if I did, I was ready to be like, no, you, you, said this was probably going to happen kids like yeah we, we prepared for this but I am a person who looks at like all the different scenarios and it's like let's prepare for all the things no that's smart and I think couples just need to give each other grace in these conversations so if your fiance comes to you and it's, is expressing um, a feeling don't automatically assume that that's a concern or that it's um, an attack or that there are terrier motives like it's a they're sharing a feeling with their best friend it's all there is to it mm-hmm if there's potential for it to be a concern or issue or um, a hidden message, then the only appropriate response to that is to ask questions. Ask questions so that you can get to the bottom of that and avoid making assumptions. Because when we assume, it just turns into this, it just, it's a spiral. So, 100%. Um, yeah, I, I remember that when we were dating and moving into engagement. I had, we had just, I had moved to Austin to be with John. And, my friends in Dallas were like, when are you going to get a ring? When are you going to get a ring? And I, I told him one night, I, I wasn't thinking about this at all. I was just like, I was having a rough evening. And he's like, what's wrong? He asked. So I told him, I was like, oh, I was getting pestered today by so-and-so. Like, just can I, they keep asking, you know, when are you need the ring or whatever. And to this day, he thinks I was pressuring him to propose. Danielle, I was just telling my best friend that I had a hard day because I was getting pressure from people, from other people that care. Like, right. Honestly, and I, we joke about this now, like, honestly, if he had proposed that night, I would, I wasn't ready. So like he made that assumption that I was ready and digging and pushing and no, I was just <laughs> telling him that I was frustrated that other people were ready and digging and pushing. Right. So if he had asked questions, I would have felt heard and seen, but he immediately was like, <gasps> you know, and <laughs> Yeah, it was like, oh, she's pressuring me, and he shut down, and so then I was like, what's wrong? And it was just this thing when it didn't have to be. Right. So, and guys, do this that. is all stuff of like as you grow through your relationship, you It'll keep learn. <laughs> yeah, but you learn how your partner reacts to different things. Yes. Mike is also a person that if I word something in a way that feels a little bit of an attack, which I am absolutely guilty of he will shut down, which is like the worst response that I want. That's like, I'm a talker. I want to communicate. I want to talk through it because whatever it is I'm bringing up, it's because I'm like processing it not in a great way in my head. So I've got to get it out. I've got to verbalize it. But his reaction is to shut down. So we're learning as a couple now together. I don't even know how many years now, but we are learning that um, I need to I need to be mindful of how I'm wording what it is I'm asking. Mm-hmm. Um, and he needs to be mindful that if he needs time to just kind of be quiet and process it, he just needs to communicate that to me, that it's not him um, ignoring me or shutting me out. It's just him processing internally so that he can come forward with his like with his best you know, situation to that. Yeah. Um, but it's hard, guys. This is this is crap you learn as you go through. You don't just like say, hey, you want to go on a date? Yes. And you get the like printout report of how this person does things. Like you don't get their love language and their Enneagram and their person. Like you have to learn it. And you know, that stuff, I really think that stuff changes over time too. So we've learned uh, about two years ago into our marriage. Or, yeah. So this would be six, seven years into our marriage. So two years ago from today, we we're at dinner with friends and something about the love languages came up and 
John mentioned mine or whatever, or mentioned things that he was doing. And I was like, what? Like, that's not me at all. And then I thought through it and I was like, it was me. That was me before kids. That was totally me before kids. But I'm a different person now. I'm not a different, not entirely, but like things have changed and things shift. Um, they think shift, like the time's different, like quality time looks different. And so <laughs> I was like, light bulb moment. And I, I we came home and I, I kind of giggled and I, I was like, I think I figured out the issue. <laughs> like, we're serving each other on the, our old preconceived notion of what a love language is. And we're really both giving so much effort to that and it's falling flat. So how do we shift and, and recognize the way this, ways that we've changed? Because at that point, we were just kind of coming up from air from two little babies. And they're three and five now. But um, two years ago, that was like, it was survival mode. And so um, we really had to you have to, you have to do that. And I'm sure in a couple of years we'll have to have the same conversation. And so you're right, Daniel, it, it, you don't just get the, the manual from day one. And I think everyone listening probably knows, knows that and could identify even what some of those things are. And so as a mom, I've learned this phrase and I'll just share it with you. And it's, I think it's, I think it just needs to be like in gold somewhere. Um, use your words, just use your words. And, and if you're the type of person that, needs time to process to know what your words are, then the only words you have is to say, I need time to process what my words are. I'll be back in a minute. It's one, it's, it's two sentences and it's using your words. That way someone doesn't feel so like shut off. And if I'm the one that's like, I need to talk, I need to talk because I'm the same way, Daniel. Like I just need to like talk. Then the only words I I'm allowed in that moment are, I really need to talk about this when you're ready when can, when can I expect that? Or like what, right. what's an appropriate ter- time frame for that? Like, yeah. or, or whatever, but like, it's just one sentence. It's not this huge, like dialogue. Um, but it, it conveyed my feelings and my needs. I, sh- I used my words. Yeah. hundred percent. I love the love languages. Um, we're big on that in this house. And then I recently, or somewhat recently, probably about a year ago, I did not know there was a love languages for apologies. Um, all over the same house. And it was, it came, the information came to me at a time where, um, we were working through different things and just hearing that, there are different ways that people accept apologies or feel that um, whatever helped. It was like a light bulb moment in our relationship too, because I realized that the, the thing I look for in when someone's like, you know, like, cause not that big things, but like sometimes you just give your partner attitude, right? And you're like, you're in a bad mood yeah. and you like give them attitude that they totally don't deserve. And then you feel like a turd and you just have to kind of like, <laughs> ugh. and Mike would, if, you know, if that happened with him, he would try to prove to me that like, oh no, I'm, he would try to prove that he was sorry. When all I wanted was just for him to be like, I gave you attitude. I'm sorry. Like that's all I need to diffuse me is just the words, mm-hmm. like the genuine I did that thing. I'm sorry. That wasn't, I should not have handled that that way. And you will instantly diffuse me. Even the little kid in the house knows that about me now that like, he knows he can come to me and be like, I was whiny before. I'm really sorry. And like, I'm like, it's okay. Like, it's like, it's. Yeah. You're like, here's a cookie. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's Mike was always trying to like prove it to me. And I was like, I don't need you to prove it. I just need you to be like, I did it wrong. I'm sorry. And move on. So it was this great light bulb moment for us where it was like, oh, we look at apologies in different ways. Like he was trying to apologize. I just wasn't hearing it because he wasn't speaking it in the language that I knew and understood best. And there's so many, you know, there's books like the five languages or whatever, but 
I, I'm a believer that there's 10, 20, 30, 40 love languages. I don't know. It's probably in, infinite, but. And there's dialects in all those different languages too. Exactly. And so, but taking those quizzes and like, those are good places to start or like Simbus are just, they're foundational. And so they're not the end all be all. There's, there are rabbit trails to all of it for sure. Mm-hmm. But, um, having those conversations and then being willing to address it every couple of years and just like, know, just acknowledge or, or be aware, being aware is probably the right term. Being aware that that can change over time is really healthy. And I wish I had, I wish I had known that. I think I, I would have caught on to it a little bit sooner if I had known to be looking for it. And you don't always, even if you know to be looking for something, you don't always know that that's what it is until it dawns on you. But maybe it would have dawned on me a little sooner. I don't know. So it's like when you gain 10 pounds, you don't realize it until you go, oh gosh, how did this happen? Yeah, it kind of sneaks up on you. And like, you might know it's kind of coming, but all of a sudden you put on that pair of one pair of pants, you're like, oh, but that's, you know, uh, one thing I think is really important about healthy relationships is, um, being mentored because when people ahead of me are sharing these things with me, I know to be aware and to look for them. I'm a little bit more prepared. I have tools and resources. I have someone to go to and be like, Oh, I'm here now. What? Like you told me I'd get here, but now hold my hand. And so that, I think that's key to success. And then also because I I believe in it so much, I think that if we're available to kind of keep an eye on our friends and, and, and mentor them a little bit, that's, that's really kind and loving of us. And that doesn't mean we need to insert our opinions or advice. And, you know, I'm not even sure that advice is what people need all the time so much as they just need experience shares. Um, the best mentoring comes to me in the form of experience sharing. So if I could just hear what others have done and, and how they've gotten through it, then that's really helpful to me. So, um, yeah, I think that getting that information from other couples is, so amazing. So what would you say are some tips that you have for couples who are struggling to work well together kind of through the planning process? Yeah. So I think one of the best things to just, um, know and make a choice to believe is to understand that perfect doesn't exist. So we've talked about this a little bit. Um, you know, it's not if, but when something's going to happen. So, uh, if you can set proper expectations up front, then it kind of, um, bridges the gap when things fall apart or when there's different perspectives among yourself as a couple or with your in-laws or with all the voices that I was talking about. So if you can just kind of know that perfect doesn't exist or that those things are going to happen, you're a little bit more prepared and you're, you're, you're less likely to just unravel with, um, you know, expectations that fall apart. So then I touched on this a little bit earlier as well. I think grieving and moving forward is really important. So throughout the the course of life, like we're not going to always get what we want. Some of those things are within our control. Uh, Maybe we've made our own mistakes um, or uh, some of these things are outside of our control. And so, um, and then even like with the things that we want, as far as control goes, like I could put my foot down and get what I want. Right. But does that really serve everybody other does it serve anybody but me and then in the long run does that cause problems for me so like is it worth putting my foot down um or maybe it's totally out of my control and there is no putting my foot down it's just that it's not I'm not going to get it and so if I can make an active choice to grieve and feel those feelings and be upset about it and appropriately um vent or explode in the right place so that I don't explode in the wrong place that makes a huge difference um and then I think ultimately uh, trusting the professionals. So trusting your wedding planner, trusting your photographer, trusting the caterer and the people that you have involved on your team to really um, 
do their job, it can free up so much headspace and so much emotional bandwidth. Um, because vendors, we really are the subject matter expert. Like we're doing this every weekend. And some of us are doing this multiple times a weekend, if not multiple times on a Saturday itself. And so we're not, we weren't born yesterday. We, we know what we're doing and we're often treated like we don't. And all that does is cause a problem for you as the client and the couple. So you're welcome to approach us in that way. Like we, we know how to respond and handle that and we'll, we'll let you do that. But all it's going to do is, is destroy your own day. So Trusting the professionals can really help you. We can shed a lot of light. We can mediate differences of opinions with and for you. We're, we're not your counselors, but we can definitely at least give you talking points. Um, and just that emotional bandwidth that we can provide you is, I think, pretty huge. So like you said earlier, like we're just an unbiased person along the journey. Like we would love to keep in touch with you. And I do. And all the babies we've had this year are just, <laughs> oh, I love it. But, you know, we're not, you know, going to be at the family reunion. So, well, maybe you're not, but I will. <laughs> oh, no, I don't even go to my own family reunions. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? <laughs> no, it's true. We're we're in that chapter of their life and then we get to like wish them well and give them really big hugs as they go on to the next chapters and it's cool that we get to still witness it as a friend um often after the fact. And I think I'm I'm always of the camp that um I don't want you to just blindly trust whatever it is if you're my client that I'm saying to you, right? Like if you yes. genuinely are like confused on something or don't understand the why behind something, like I absolutely want you to to talk to me about it because I want you to I want us all to be on the same team. It's not a it's not a my way or the highway, and that's not what Amber is saying either. It's about though trusting when we say this is probably going to provide the best guest experience, and what you're saying sounds really good on your head or on paper even, but in reality, this is where things are not going to play out like you see. So let's figure out how to get the still um, you know the the experience that you want. Let's just find a a, a way that we're going to get there that's going to be really realistic to execute on the wedding day itself, so that you're not just setting yourself up for bad expect or you know you're not getting bad expectations you know what I'm trying to say guys totally no you so you have realistic expectations and I'm glad you unpacked that further because you did you you knew exactly what I meant by that and I would hate to be misconstrued so for sure we're just because I'm encouraging you to trust your professionals doesn't mean that and they are the subject matter experts doesn't mean that they can't try new things and shouldn't try new things with and for you yes. um but it is their job to educate you on okay I have I've had this request before and this is how that went. And so I'm encouraging you to hear that and, 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 and not try to put a square peg in a round hole. If we've done it and literally know it doesn't work. It's not because we're trying to be mean or lazy and don't want to do something. It's just, we've tried it. It doesn't work. Or based on the priorities that you've shared and expressed throughout the rest of the process, we know that you may think it's a good idea, but it's going to actually backfire based on these other priorities. And so, um, but ultimately at the end of the day, we want it to be what you want it to be. It's just, what's the best way to get there? Like Danielle said. Right. So I know our couples, especially our amazing ringers, you guys already have so much on your plates. Um, but I do think this is something that's so important. So Amber, do you have, um, some things that couples and our beautiful, uh, ringers could do now to better prepare for their first year of marriage? And I know that's a really loaded question, but I feel like you have um, things that you can really share that are tangible and actionable items. 
Yeah, totally. So I think going to pre-marriage counseling is really beneficial and it can be faith-based. It can be non-faith-based. It can be a yoga retreat in the mountains. It can be at, you know, it it looks very different. There are a lot of formats is my point. And one more time for the people in the back, it does not have to be faith-based as Amber said. It does not have to be surrounded by religion, guys. It doesn't. Um, and my Simbus, truth be told, is a faith-based uh, program. But I have a lot of couples that are that's not their thing. And so we strip it of that. And if that makes sense, we just make it we make it a little bit more neutral. And so it actually is pretty neutral already. So there's just one section that I really just kind of skip over because that's not that's not their jam. And so really finding finding the right format is important um even if it's just down to like i don't know a silly card game with the questions that you wouldn't otherwise ask each other it's just i mean as silly as that sounds that's a way of learning about each other so some states even lower the cost of marriage marriage license fees or even waive them altogether if you do these some of them there are state programs and those certainly wouldn't be faith-based so um Another thing is go on dates and don't talk about the wedding. Just go, go somewhere and do something that doesn't have anything to do with the wedding. And as a planner, I even build in breaks for that. So not just like, oh, it's Friday, it's your break. It's like seasonal breaks. Like we're taking this month off or like for the next six weeks, like we're really in a good spot. Why don't you all just go and just go and be and remember why you're doing this. Like spend time together and just enjoy each other. So go on dates or even schedule when you're going to do wedding planning stuff. So I hear, I hear that working really well for, um, grooms really, because stereotypically this is not, this is a blanket statement, right? But like stereotypically Brian gets excited, has got all this stuff, has something he wants to ask every night or whatever. And the groom's like, I just, can we just do that on Thursdays? I don't know. And like, that's guys hear me. That's not going to always work. There are deadlines. There are layers. There are reasons to talk about it Monday through Thursday on certain weeks. And, and and when that's happening in your home, like respect that. But when it's possible to, to go in links and waves, like do, because it's, it's life-giving. So, um, I said this too a minute ago, like spend time with mentor couples. Um, sometimes that means that they're older. Sometimes it just means that they've been married longer than you. Maybe they're five years younger, but they've been married longer and they've got some insight. So um, spend time with couples that are a little bit ahead of you. Um, watch your friends and take notes. So even if you're not being mentored by them specifically, there are plenty of times that we'll go on a vacation with another couple and I'm just watching how they interact and how they um how they do with each other. And sometimes I'm like, Oh gosh, we're, we're really, we're doing this. Like we're good. (laughs) And then sometimes (laughs) I'm like, I'm like, Oh wow. Like I wouldn't have thought to approach John in that way. That looks so loving to like, I wonder if John would receive that well. And I'll take notes and, and, and try to grow and learn from this and get ideas from other people and the way that they treat each other. So that sounds so random and basic and maybe even creepy that I'm watching couples on our vacation, but I'm just observing and being aware of things that work well and, or don't work well that I don't want to do. Um, I, um, think respecting the inside of others is, uh, is good for going into marriage and while being married. And so I know that we don't want to hear it from our moms all the time or from an in-law or from someone that maybe we have tension with. I'm not saying that we have tension with our moms or in-laws, but like, um, there are certain people that we're, we don't necessarily always want that insight from, but I think there's something to be said for like, okay, fine. Maybe you have your boundary with that person, but like go home and like maybe give it half a thought 
And if it's something to trash, then trash it. But like, don't just push it out because of who it came from, because there, there's some good nuggets out there. Um, sometimes they're pretty spot on too, because they're not wearing the rose tinted glasses. So, um, and then build in margin and bandwidth for each other. Um, like in a different way than I was talking about a second ago, like don't live separate lives because I think pre kids, it's, it can be really easy. And even with kids, um, it can be really easy to get into hobbies or get into this, that, or the other where we're living separate lives. And so, um, and I said, pre-kid, but now I'm thinking about it. Really even pay attention to that with kids because now the only way to get out of the house is to have a babysitter, which gets expensive. It turns a $30 dinner into a $100 night or um, for, you know, one spouse or one partner to go out one night and then I go out the next night and like, then we're never, we're never together. So um, like it, it can happen really fast starting to live separate lives. So pay attention to that in your first year of marriage for sure. Um, and then last but not least, and I maybe should have um, put this in the other thing I said a second ago about planning, but like, guys, this is for you. Love you to death. Help, 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 help in the planning process and help in that that um, that first year of marriage too. like just um, be a helper. And that even with a feisty, independent woman like myself, I just I need that from my husband. Like I, I we joke that I just need him to open the pickle jar. I can do it. I can open the pickle jar, but if he's there and he can do it, I just feel so served and loved by him opening the pickle jar. And that's a stupid, that's a silly, it's just being a silly, that's silly. That's a silly analogy, but that's how we've just kind of compared it to life. Like just open the pickle jar. I can, I can do it. I just, you're here and I need your support. So as far as the planning process goes for the wedding, like for you to carry some of that weight is huge. I recently had a couple who, um, the bride just had so much on her plate and every bride does. That's not unique. And so that's almost <laughs> as a wedding planner, when I get that, I'm just so busy. I sometimes want to be like, yeah, you and everybody else. <laughs> um, but this one was a particularly um, overloaded bride. And I, at some point just started, there were some tasks that were just easy and I knew the groom could do and whether he had offered to help or not, I just started making him do it. And I was like, Hey dude, I was like, and he was happy to do it. I wouldn't, it just, it worked out. I was like, Hey, I know she's so like, can we take something off her plate this week? Can you get this done? And he's like, yep, got it. And so it worked really well. And so if we can just be a team in that, it, it allows for a lot. Um, you give each other bandwidth. And so maybe that's the other way around. I've had some guys that have done the whole wedding and the, and the, 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 partner has been t- totally hands off. My point is partner to partner, be hands on together and, um, and carry the load. And there are certain things that you're going to care about that the other person is not going to care about. And so maybe they do more of the heavy lifting. That's fine. But like, be a part of it, be present. I think what I hear a lot, um, with my couples, there's usually one person who's kind of in the primary role of planning. And then there's a person who's kind of in the more supportive role. And I think the phrase I hear a lot that tends to really get under the skin of the person in the primary role is whatever you want. Like, I don't care whatever you want. Right. And I think that comes from a good place of being like, no, I genuinely don't care. So I'm good with whatever it is you decide. And I get that statement, but more often than not, at least in the couples that I'm working with, that statement causes more frustration and is actually not helpful in the slightest bit whatsoever. Yeah, no, it's not because it creates this more like, no, now I'm guessing. Now I'm guessing what you want because I'm not totally sure what you want. And then what if I get it wrong? And then I did that in our planning process. We really only had tension over one or two things. And one of them was... um, 
over what the guys were going to wear. And it was kind of like, oh, whatever you want. And then it came out that he really did have an opinion. And I was like, well, now it's too late. Like, I've planned everything around that. I don't. Right. You know, and then I sat, and then I felt like a jerk because I, I didn't I wasn't going to change it. Right. And um, it's like I asked. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Use your words. Yeah. Yeah. Use your. Oh, that's this is the motto of the episode. It's use your words. It is, though. It's um because even though we can feel like maybe we don't have an opinion, even if it's the slightest of an opinion, be like, you know, I don't care too much. But like this sounds I think this like I'm kind of leaning towards this. That that helps. 10 times more than just the, I don't care, whatever you want, babe. You know what I mean? It's just, it's just, it just goes, it goes far beyond um, that statement. And, and it's up to every couple to know their own spousal audience because maybe the whatever you want, babe, is the best and only answer. <laughs> so true. Yes. My dad always says, yes, dear. That is the answer. Yes, dear. And in my, my parents' relationship, that is what works for them. John jokes now. He'll be like, well, I mean what is it that you want? And I'll answer. And he's like, okay, then that that's what we're going to do. <laughs> He'll just be like, I mean, we're going to do what you want anyway. So right. we we'll just start there. <laughs> Usually that comes down to dinner, right? Like in our house, it's like, I just meal plan. I'm the meal planner. I'm the one that gets the groceries and like cooks. And I love that. I, I love cooking so much. And I'll ask, you know, when I am meal planning, like, well, what do you want for dinner this week? And he'll put out some things. And I'm like, yeah, no, we're not going to do that. But thanks. <laughs> he's like, always like, let's just save the conversation. Let's save the time here. And just like, what is it that you want? Okay, then that's what we're doing. <laughs> I'm like, but that's just, I mean, it's a joke. And he knows that he has, he's an equal. So well, exactly. So uh, to wrap up this episode, um, Amber, how can our ringers connect with you and kind of learn more about you? So uh, at Heavenly Day events on Instagram is a great place to start uh, for just inspiration on wedding planning and things of that nature. That's one place that I am. And then another spot for those that are listening that are interested in wedding planning, uh, Instagram, another great spot for at uh, refine for wedding planners. So we've got a larger Facebook community, but that's probably the easiest way to verbally communicate how to find me. And then you can link into our Facebook group from the Instagram. So hop on over there and get some goodies from us. You'll see Danielle's face on the thread or the feed. Uh, she's a big part of our community. We love her to death. So I just like chatting and commenting and adding my input. Well, your face is on the on the feed too from the that's workshops true. and stuff. Oh, yeah. that's true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> An old picture, but nonetheless. <laughs> I love it. It's so cute. Awesome. All right, you guys. Um, I, this is awesome. Amber, thank you so much for being on this episode. Um, I, I, can't, I can't thank you enough. I think this is awesome. So thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. All right, Ringers. Thank you for listening to the first episode of season seven of the Put a Ring on It podcast. You guys are amazing. But before we wrap up this episode, I did want to take a quick moment to give another huge shout out and virtual high five to our amazing Patreon supporters. Guys, your encouragement means the world to us and we're just constantly blown away by your generosity. If you are interested in learning more or you want to join this fabulous community of ringers and help us reach our goals for the show, check out patreon.com slash P-A-R-O-I, like put a ring on it, P-A-R-O-I. There's different options starting at just two bucks a month and some really fun things waiting for you like video recordings, hangouts with Dan and I, and a place to have your wedding questions answered, which is so helpful and important. Another way you can support the show is to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast in iTunes or wherever in the world you enjoy podcasts. This helps us so much. Finally, if you want some more details on anything we talked about in today's episode, you can find the show notes at putaringonitpodcast.com. And of course, you're more than welcome to connect with us on 
all of the socials. I am at DPNAC, D-P-N-A-K on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and Pinterest. And don't forget about Dan. He's at Daniel Moyer Photo on Instagram and Daniel Moyer Photography on Facebook and Pinterest. Definitely make sure you give him some love while he's away on paternity leave, you guys. I can't tell you how much it probably means to him. Now remember, we're here to help you, but no matter whose advice you follow or what decisions you make, know that your wedding is going to be amazing because you rock. Until next time, ringers. <laughs>